Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 35th dose, and it's called Vacuums Are Tricky. And I'm making this podcast because I want to share with you some of the things I've noticed in my kind of middle world physical existence that feel linked to me to some deeper layers of my emotional and spiritual life, I suppose. To me, they're all intertwined, and I like talking about those connections and sharing them with you. And I hope that they're helpful and they bring some some magic, some sparkle and wonder and awareness into your life. I'm making this particular episode because it's time we talked about vacuums. And I'm going to take this everywhere from like the physical vacuum that sucks up stuff from your floor or your shelf all the way to the more kind of metaphysical metaphor space of like a a space where nothing is yet and how I'm experiencing that and how I work with it. And this episode is itself coming out of a vacuum in the sense that I didn't make one last week and this one's late. I usually send them out on Tuesdays, and um, it was like a it was like a vacuum of space. I didn't I didn't make one, and because it didn't feel like ready yet, it didn't feel like I actually had the thing to say yet. And one of my um, I guess sort of values behind this podcast is that I want it to be authentic and quite honest and sometimes I can't figure out exactly how to land the like amount of exposure and honesty compared to what I'm experiencing and sort of like what's appropriate to share and and it's not just appropriate for like what you might want to listen to but also like what's going to feel good for me to make public. Anyways so I needed a bit of a, a space on that and now this is what I want to talk about, vacuums. So let's start off with the vacuum. In I'm in my studio right now, and I bought a, let's see, I'm just going over to it. It is called a shop vac, vac spelled V-A-C. And this is the first brand new vacuum I have ever bought. And I was really excited to buy a vacuum <laughs> because um, I like being able to periodically clean things up and like, sort of like cleanse the space and um, I enjoy often getting to just leave a big mess in my studio of partway through projects but I also enjoy being able to clean it up and it's carpeted in here and I knew that I was going to have lots of like big chunks of stuff so I thought a shop vac would be better and uh, it turns out so there's like There's the joke like, oh, this vacuum sucks, which is actually a good thing when it comes to a vacuum. Uh, This one does like suck up things, but it's also not that great. Like I'm actually disappointed in this vacuum because it's the noise that it makes. Like I get the vacuum should be noisy, but this one's like the noise is irritating. Like it's just the wrong decibel. And I didn't realize beforehand how important the like rolling piece is. Uh on a vacuum if you're using carpet. So this one on the the end of the wand, it just sort of has a like a a wide snout. 
with no wheels, which would be great for like most shop floors would be like cement or something. Uh, but this studio is carpeted. So the, clearly this vacuum was not designed for carpet. And I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. All this to say, uh, I've, I have more of an appreciation for what style of vacuum does what thing. And I'm also amazed at how expensive vacuums are. Like having made it to 33 without having ever bought a vacuum before. Uh, yeah, they're pricey pieces of equipment. And I didn't buy the most expensive one. Um, but I, here in Canada, you can buy like a small, pl like cordless wand Dyson vacuum that I know this because I use one at my office job only lasts for about like seven minutes before you have to plug it in again that is for sale for $600 and I'm like wow there's other things I'd like to do with $600 and maybe I'll just use a broom uh, but also I'm like okay but this is also kind of amazing technology like somehow this is creating a vacuum space that's pulling stuff into it. And that's quite a feat to make. And I don't know where the plastic comes from. And unfortunately, probably the people who are gaining from the $600 didn't have much to do with the creation of the vacuum. All this is just a warm up about the, the kind of remarkableness of this particular apparatus that you might use regularly. I've lived often without a vacuum and it's quite tricky to like pick up stuff if you don't have a vacuum. Like if if you have a, a flat floor, no problem. Broom works great. But if you have like something spilt in a crevice and you don't have a vacuum, it's really hard to clean it up. Like it's it's they they really do something that it's hard to do otherwise. Like you can pick up metal with a magnet, but if you spill a whole bunch of crumbs in like the back of your couch, a vacuum is just like the tool for the job. Okay, so now that you've gained a little bit of like awe for your vacuum machine, I want to spread this out to this phenomena of like a vacuous empty space. And you may have heard this expression that nature abhors a vacuum. I don't know who said it or where it comes from. I think it's probably safe to say it's just a general idea at this point. But that's talking about how their nature and life loves to fill in the spots. Like they're, wherever possible, life grows, like remarkably. If you look, I'm just looking out the window right now and there's cracks in the sidewalk where grass is growing. Like there's, every little bit where life is possible, it wants to happen. And so, for example, in permaculture techniques, uh, in order to avoid weeding and like disturbing the soil a bunch, you, you plant a whole bunch of things that you can still eat or that are good for the soil to replenish. Because if, as you know, if you've gardened, the soil won't stay like, empty for long. Something will find its way there, which we normally call a weed. But you can also help and plant something you might, yes, want in that soil. And if, if the soil has nothing growing in it, if it actually looks like a vacuum, that is, that's kind of like 
dead. It's not natural for there to be places where there isn't anything. And we can also see this in our own closets or drawers or yards that to maintain empty space is actually like quite unnatural. Like it takes it takes concerted continual effort. Like if you have a flat surface in your house, like um like a desk or a table or a counter, you might have noticed that it says if it was magnetic and it just like stuff just ends up there and and seems to want to stay there. It's almost like the flat surface is like a it's like a garden bed and things just want to grow, like weeds of stuff and keys and receipts and they just want to be there. It's really it's really uh, takes concerted effort to maintain a an empty space. And you might also feel this in your schedule, that having empty, vacuous time is takes effort, is, is something you have to be conscious about, that without design and awareness, all your minutes would fill up. Maybe not with even things you want to be doing. They would just they would just get filled up. And I think one of the things that's revolutionary about a meditation practice or some sort of stillness practice or or a regular like running without headphones in, like some sort of em- emptying space is is that it's so unusual and we are so often crowded with everything squishing in and and this is both like an amazing phenomena of life just wanting to happen everywhere, but also it's it can fill us up with things that might not be so nourishing and edible. So I feel like I'm learning this in my own life in needing to make some vacuums of space where I'm hoping that that space will eventually pull in or accommodate or be habitat for what I really want to have grow. But there's this this time in between where the thing that I had before isn't there anymore and the the new thing hasn't quite arrived yet. And that vacuum can feel scary, empty, exhilarating, um, exciting, daunting, creative. It can feel so many things. So one example of this is that in the last few months I had several uh, like house cleaning, house organizing gigs. That was one of the ways that I helped pay for this studio space. And I was also teaching sewing lessons. And the sewing lessons weren't feeling, um, they were feeling like something kind of old, like as if it was a skill that I already had and it wasn't in the direction that I wanted to develop into. I was admittedly good at it, but it felt kind of like this, um, yeah, like drawing on something, something old, like a previous version of what I would have been good at and not not into where I want to bloom into. And so I ended those and that was a bit of a va- like creating a vacuum space. 
And then one of the regular cleaning clients moved away and that created more space. And my schedule opened up and I could feel this this space. And on one hand, I love it. I love having more unscheduled time. Like this whole morning, I'm just in my studio with no particular... Um, yeah, there, like there wasn't an event I had to do. I, I get to just speak with you at my leisure and it feels really spacious and I love that feeling. And then there's also the nervousness. Like I could feel the the space in my bank account of like, oh, I used to have that reliable money coming in and now there isn't that. And, and like this emptiness. And not yet at the point of like dire circumstances, but just a, like a gap where it used to be filled. And I decided to keep that gap in my schedule. And in order to allow the, th- the, the things that I want to pursue more of and develop into to fill that space. And, and the waiting, the, the vacuum, it takes a certain sort of kind of musculature to know what what is an opportunity what's a too soon opportunity when, at what point should i just pull the plug and and be like this is not working i need to change a different strategy i need to actually just go pick up another gig somewhere like that's all a kind of discernment that grows over time but it feels like part of those stages for me is allowing that vacuum to exist and it can be kind of uncomfortable and it can also be exciting. Another one I feel is that something's shifting in my sexuality and, and I feel very much in that kind of middle, um, I have been taking a course by Charles Eisenstein called The Space Between Stories, which is a much larger concept of a shift in society that we're feeling but also how it's that shift can happen in our own lives as well of in his words moving from a story of separation to a story of interbeing and those concepts are a much bigger amazing topic that I would love to talk about and doesn't feel like it's worth expanding on I mean it is worth expanding on but it deserves its whole other thing (laughs) but in this context the space between stories is a is a phrase that that works for me in describing my sexuality. There's a way that I used to express it that uh, was exciting and uh, quite fulfilling, and that I was quite comfortable and experienced at. And I can feel that. Uh, like there's an there's a change in me and what i what i desire what i find fulfilling that's making that not fit anymore and and i don't know what like i have i have hints or inclinations of what the what the next manifestation of that is of of me expressing and fulfilling and connecting deeply in the in that way and yet I don't, I don't feel like I'm there yet. Like I actually feel like this, 
this big unknown. And this has been happening for like gradually for a few, feels like a few years. And they sort of don't realize the shift is happening. And then now I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle of it. And it's not like a, uh, what's it called? Like, it's not like a coming out of the closet sort of a thing. It's, it's not a change of, oh, my sec- it's not a change of my sexual orientation in the in sense of like who I would be attracted to, but of like what kind of connections I want and what I want the energy to feel like and what I'm craving and what I'm offering. And, and it's disorienting. It's honestly disorienting. And it's sad sometimes because I miss the ease I used to have in this expression. And, and I don't feel the ease in the new story yet at all. I feel, um, I feel like there's a vacuum, there's an empty space, there's a not fulfilledness. And I, sometimes I want to rush it, I want to, I want to fill it with something, either something I was used to, or something that's available, or something that somebody else tells me would work. Uh, but that doesn't work. It doesn't, for the, the way that I actually want to grow and develop, um, I'm not really, like, just letting the first thing that flies by seed and grow there in that, that soil of my sexuality doesn't feel like the, the best thing to do. And it's, uh... It's like something that's happening inside me that affects how I relate to other people, but it also feels like it's kind of like an inside job. And so I'm in a vacuum. I'm in an empty space where, or an emptier space. I'm not sure if I can ever be in a completely void space. and I, there's this sort of expectation of, I wonder what happens next. And sometimes I find it really hard to be peaceful in, in a vacuum space. Sometimes it's like the noise is really annoying. And sometimes it feels like I don't have the right equipment to, to do what I want to. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that in sharing this with you, you might notice some of the vacuums in your own life, either where you've had them in the past or you might feel them now, and you might feel the possibility there and have some more awareness and therefore choice about when you make and keep vacuums or empty spaces and, and what you allow to rush back in. And they're powerful. Vacuums are powerful. And like empty space, it like demands to be filled. And that's why I think it's, it's hard to hold it. And it's also like a really, it's a really big force that will pull towards it new life, really. And that's exciting. But without the awareness, if you just, if the vacuum happens, then like anything could just get sucked into it. See, that's where I want to bring this awareness. Where like, if there's a vacuum, 
keeping the empty space, keeping the weeds out of the garden, keeping the time in your schedule, keeping the the space in your emotional life, keeping the the room in your house, keeping empty space takes concerted effort and is a powerful phenomenon that can eventually attract in a lot of new life. But vacuums are tricky. And and they're kind of expensive because they're tricky equipment. So they might cost you something, either money or something else. And they might seem more expensive than you'd expect. Like it might cost you more than you thought. But they're also powerful and they can be a excellent tool in creating a peaceful, well-ordered, sometimes chaotic, enjoyable, fun, sexy life. That's what I have to say about vacuums for today. Thank you for listening. And if you know somebody else who wants to talk, um, it's probably not like they know that they want to talk about vacuums, but you might know that something about what they're experiencing, this might be helpful. And if so, I would be honored if you shared it with them. And if you want to say hello or tell me about your experience with any of these themes, I am always delighted to hear from you. And the best way to be in touch is either on Instagram at Magic for Realists or through my website of the same name, magicforrealists.ca. So thanks again for listening. I wish you a, hmm, what kind of a week? I don't know, maybe a bit of empty space in your week so that something amazing could come in. Yeah, some magic in your real world. Bye for now.